it's so good to be here with you guys. Um, if you're new around here to our community, my name is Neil, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff at The Edge. Um, last week, uh, we continued in this series called Jesus is Better. We're going through the entire book of Hebrews. It's a challenging book, um, but we just we, we love scripture. It's the foundation for what we do here in our church. So we want to just encourage you to dive into scripture more than just on a Sunday morning. Um, last week, I talked about um, our, our worst days. I talked about how um, there are times when we, we post our best days. We don't usually tend to post our worst days on social media. Um, but God loves us even in our worst days, and he has purpose for us even then. So if you just need to be encouraged that, that even though you might have had a bad week, you might have made some bad decisions, you need to be encouraged that God still has a plan for you. I encourage you to look at the, uh, watch the message from last week. Go to edgeaurora.com, go to our Facebook page, and you can watch a video of the sermon. Uh, this week I'm encouraged because life is, life is about this, this journey this race, and Steve is going to talk today about this, this journey that we're on, that it's a race, that we have to train for it, um, and we have to get into it. it Christianity is not um, a spectator sport, and Steve's going to talk about um, faith again. Uh, why? Uh, because we, we've got to have faith. Thank you, George Michael, and thank you, Steve. Give Steve a welcome. Woo. <laughs> I like that tunnel. I feel like should be coming out to play football or something. I was saying to Robin Berkey earlier that it'd be cool if there was some smoke, you know, kind of coming, came out of there. Good morning, everybody. How you feel? We doing okay, church? Sunday, everybody doing okay? Yeah, you're awake? Somebody give me a shout if you're awake. Let me hear somebody. Okay, all right, we're good. Welcome to the Edge, everybody. Uh, my name is Steve Van and I'm one of the pastors here. If you're new, uh, really glad to have you this morning. Everybody else, welcome back. I have... Uh, just one announcement for you all before we get into our message this morning. Um, and if you are somebody who likes to plan ahead, you can write this down. Uh, coming up on Sunday, November the 11th, so three weeks from today, um, we are going to be having a house church Sunday. Woo! Yeah. Okay, so a uh, uh, lot, of, lot of cheers for house church Sunday. Okay. Let me try that again. We're going to have house church Sunday. Woo! Okay. So being a mobile church, uh, you, most of you guys know sometimes we're not able to use our building here. When we're uh, unable to use this building, we, we find other ways to be the church and to come together. And one of the things that we found over the years that we really love to do on Sundays where we can't use our building is meet together in homes. And so on Sunday the 11th, we're going to have a house church. We're going to have five different homes that will be uh, hosting people that morning. You can pick the one you want to be at. Uh, but we're going to gather together for a time of just fellowship, a time of worship, a time of encouragement in a time of communion. Um, everybody's welcome to come. Kids are welcome to come. Guests are welcome to come. Not sure about pets. You'd have to ask like whoever's hosting that day. But uh, please RSVP, let us know that you're going to be there so that we can plan accordingly. Uh, but it's going to be an awesome Sunday and hope you all can join us. That Again, Sunday, November 11. It's going to start a little bit later. We're actually going to kick off at 10. I know. <laughs> Seriously. So you get to sleep in a little bit. Um, Unless you have little children, you're going to be awake way earlier than that. So it's all good. Um, as Neil said, we're going to continue this morning on in our series through the book of Hebrews that we have uh, been in for a little bit more than six months now that we're calling um, Jesus is better because he is. 
Okay, so if you're here this morning and you haven't ever known that Jesus is better, my, my prayer for you is that you'd know that this morning. If you have known that and need to be reminded of that, I pray that you'd be reminded of that this morning, that Jesus is better. He's better than anything, anyone, ever, for all of time. Jesus is better. This morning, uh, I, I want to share with you a message called the race of faith. Okay? The race of faith. And so I'm going to pray for us. If you guys could, would you stand with me? Anybody excited about God's word this morning? Okay, that's getting better. All right. As always, when we pray, I like to invite you to pray. Okay, I'm not just praying, we're praying. Okay, we're going to ask the Lord just to come to speak. And so as I'm praying, I just want you to just, you yourself, right where you are, just invite the Lord. Say, God, come and speak to me. Okay, Father, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for this time. Uh, that you've given to us. Thank you for this day that you have made. Uh, God, it's, it's a good day, Lord. We can rejoice today. We can be glad in today, God, because today belongs to you. God, I thank you that this morning every single person who's in this room is here, God. You intended for us to be here. You planned on it. You knew we'd be here, God. And there are things that you want to speak to us. Father, I pray that as, as Noel said, that every heart in this room would be open to you, Jesus, to receive of you, God. Father, that you would speak, that, that our ears would be open to hear from you. Our hearts would be open to receive from you. Our lives, our minds would be transformed by you. And ultimately our lives changed by you for your glory. Um, God, come and move in this place. Come and speak. Would you just invite the Lord right where you are? Just tell him, God, come and speak to me this morning. God, come and speak to me. Speak to my heart, God. Let me hear from you this morning, God. God, thank you for being a God who loves us, who loves to meet with us, who loves to speak with us. Thank you for your word, God. Father, I pray that this morning that the truth of your word would be planted in fertile soil in our hearts and that that seed, Lord God, would produce a good fruit in us. God, come and have your way in this time. It belongs to you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen. If you have your Bible this morning, open it up to Hebrews chapter 12. Actually, stay standing. Keep, keep standing. We're going to actually read this together, okay? This is going to be participation, okay? We're going to look at just three verses together. Okay, listen to me. Let me just say this. Like, just in the same way that we are free to express ourselves to God in worship, we are free to express ourselves to God in his word. Amen? Okay, so, so scripture is a part, like the reading of God's word, like this is a participatory time also. So you are free to like clap, you're free to shout, you're free to be like, mm. you're free to say like, that's for me. You're free to look at the person next to you and be like, that was for you. No, I'm just kidding. Don't, don't do that. But you're free to give up. Woo! Yeah, amen. Any of those things, okay? So, like, a little, like, let's be in it together, okay? I, I like to tell you guys, like, I'm not up here preaching at you. I'm preaching with you, okay? Like, I don't need this word any less than you do, and, and I don't need it any more than you either. We need God's word together, yeah? Okay, so Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. Let's read this together. Here's what it says. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Amen? Okay, go ahead. Have a seat. Woo! Okay. Go ahead. No, for real. You can sit down this time. 
But like I said, you can stand back up at some point. Okay, you guys are with me. All right. All right, let's unpack this together. Okay, starting in verse 1. It starts with therefore. We've talked about this before. What does that mean? It means we ought to say, why is this therefore, right? Like, what's that therefore? And, and what this is doing is this is, the writer is now pointing us back to something he just talked about. We spent the last few weeks in Hebrews chapter 11, which was all about what? Faith. Okay, somebody was here. Three weeks we we're, we're talking we've talked about faith right faith the whole chapter is all about faith it begins by telling us that faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things unseen faith is the substance faith is the essence of the Christian life. Tony Woodall said a couple of weeks ago that faith is how we grab hold of the hand of God. It is the way by which we access the things of the kingdom. It is the way by which we receive. Everything comes by faith. Even our salvation, scripture says, is by grace through faith. Remember we talked about that, about it's through faith. Everything comes through faith to us. By trusting God in his word, by trusting in what he says about who he is, by trusting in what he has done and what he says he will do, trusting in who he says I am and what he's made me to do and to be, amen? Faith is the substance of the Christian life, and without faith, Hebrews eleven six tells us that it's impossible to please God. So, so, so everything is about faith, and, and and over the past few weeks, we looked at Hebrews 11, and we talked about all these different examples of men and women of faith, right? These not perfect people, people who, who didn't have everything together, but people who God used, people who trusted in God and his word and his promise to them, even in the face of, of really some great opposition, some, some great hardship, some great persecution and uncertainty when things looked impossible for them in their life. They trusted in the God by whom all things are possible, right? And they saw God move. Some of us this morning might be here in what we consider an impossible. We have an impossible in our life and the invitation to us in God's word in Hebrews 11 and continuing in Hebrews chapter 12 is that you can trust God. He's faithful. So the author of Hebrews says to us, therefore, in response to faith, because of faith, uh, that because of all these examples of faith that I've just shown you, let us, he says, now run the race that's been marked out for us. Now, I, I think many of us uh, in our life have heard many different metaphors used to talk about life, right? There's all kinds of them, right? Life is like a roller coaster. Life is like a classroom. Life is like a Life's like the ocean. Life's like a mountain. Life's like a garden, right? Ralph Waldo Emerson was like, life is like a journey. Okay, Alan Rufus was like, life is like a game of chess. Forrest Gump said, life is like a box of chocolates, right? You never know which one you're going to get, okay? But, but, but one of the most common metaphors that we find in the New Testament and Scripture to talk to us about life and the one that, that the writer of Hebrews uses here is this, this metaphor of life as a race. Now, now, now some of you know that once upon a time in a galaxy far, far away, I used to be a competitive runner. Okay, now I'm a jogger, but then I, I, I ran competitively. So, so when I read scriptures about running, like I get excited, like I can relate to this. Okay, so, some of you guys just get like a leg cramp and you start sweating, right, when you read that. But, but it's going to be okay, all right. Um, we're just going to go with this metaphor, okay, and see what God has to teach us through his word. So, so in the second part of verse 1, it says to us, let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. There's this race that has been marked out for us. Did, do you know this morning, did you know that you have a race 
that God has marked out for you. I, I, I don't want to just gloss over this because this is actually something that, that's really important for us to grab hold of. And there's at least one person in this room who needs to receive this today. Because what this is saying to all of us is that, that there is not one person here. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. You didn't happen on coincidence or by happenstance or by chance. Okay? You were created for, by God on purpose and you were created by God with purpose. And before you came to be, before you ever were, before you ever breathed the breath, before you ever had a thought about God, God was already thinking about and planning for you. And he marked out for you a life, a race designed for you to run. Jeremiah 1 verse 5, God says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart. God knew you before you ever existed. Psalm 139, you can, you can read all about the things that God has to say about us. That you're fearfully and wonderfully made. That he knit you together in, in your mother's womb. That all your days have already been written by the Lord. Okay? What does that, what does that say? That means God planned for you a long time ago. Alright? So, so, so you don't have to... You don't have to wonder if God has a thought about it. You don't have to wonder, is there anything that God has for me? God, God do you got something for my life? God, do you, do you see my life? Do you know my life? Do you care about my life? He's like, look, I already wrote your life. Okay? I know all about it. I was planning on you a long time ago. You have a race that is yours to run that's been marked by God. Places for you to be, people for you to interact with, things for you to do. It's your race and no one else can run your race for you. Neil said this before, there are no spectators in the kingdom of God. We are all participants in our race. We have to be. Life doesn't simply happen to us. Life happens with us. God decided that, that he was going to be in this partnership with you along the journey, uh, on the race that he uh, set out for you to run. And you can't do his part and he won't do yours. You can know this morning that God loves you though, that God made you, that God planned on you, that God has purpose for you, that you have a race to run and that God is with you in that. Now when I think about a race that's been marked out for me, I think about a cross country race. I ran cross country for a lot of years and in a cross country race, it's a distance race, but the thing that's unique about cross country races is all the courses are different. And so when you show up to a cross country race, you don't just show up and start running because you'd have no idea where to go. So, so you have to get there and they usually give you a map and you walk the course uh, uh, and what it reveals to you and what it shows you is all along the, the course there's different flags or different markers on the ground that are indicating to you which way to go and ultimately pointing you to the finish line. This is really what the writer of Hebrews is attempting to do for us here in this passage. He is wanting to point us in the right direction for our race so that you and I ultimately make it to the finish line holding on to Jesus. He gives us some strategies here and some tools. And, and what I want to give you this morning is three things that are needed for your race. Okay, hopefully you got your notes. If you picked up your notes on the way in, you can grab a pen, write this down. If you didn't, get out your phone, take a note. I, I, I'll tell you guys, like, and I say this a lot, write something down. Okay, God speaks stuff to us. We don't put it down. We go, man, that was really good or that was a great thought. And then two days later, we're like, yeah, what was that about? Okay, like, man, put something down. Hold on to it. Review it. Meditate it. Let God just speak something over to you again and again and again and again. So write something down. Put something down. Hold on to something. Here's the first one. Here's the first thing we need. We need the right inspiration. Okay. 
How many of you guys in the room have ever found that you train more consistently and better when you have other people with you training or at least encouraging you along the way, right? Like you can actually get out of bed. Sometimes like that, that's the, the best help we have for getting out of bed. Like 5 o'clock, I was going to run, but it was 5 o'clock. But it's 5 o'clock, I was going to run, and I know so-and-so is going to be there, RVK is going to be there, and he's waiting on me. I'm getting up, and I'm going to show up because he's going to be there. Or somebody's going to give me a phone call. Hey, man, you up? Are you running this morning? Oh, man. Okay, yeah, right? Inspiration and encouragement is the reason personal trainers have jobs, okay? Like, we, we, we need people to encourage us to keep going. They're... Uh, that's why you see in like long distance races, right, like we watch marathons or, or distance races, they're like the streets, the courses are lined with people. They're not running. They're not doing, they're just, they're drinking coffee, but they're like, yeah, come on, you can do it, you can make it, right? And if you've ever been in a race, I can tell you, that's super helpful. It's helpful when you're running and you're tired and you and you got people who are saying, come on, come on, don't give up. My, my daughter Olivia just finished her, her first season of cross country in junior high. I was at all those races. I'm, I, was, I probably ran as far as they did. You know what I'm saying? I was all over that course, all over. Come on, you can do it. Don't give up. Look up. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Catch that person. You can beat them. You can beat them. Uh, she told me to tone it down. Um, but she did. She's like, Dad, all my friends know it's you. <laughs> yeah. So, but, any, but anyways, we need to be inspired, right? We, we, we need to be encouraged. And, and, and in the beginning of verse 1, the author of Hebrews says, listen, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And, and specifically here, he's talking about the Old Testament saints that, that he just referred to back in Hebrews chapter 11 who had completed their faith race. And he's saying to us, look at them. Consider them. Let their lives serve as an inspiration and an encouragement for yours. One of the things we have to know about the Word of God is that, that this is not a dead book with dead stories of dead people. Right? Like, this is, as Hebrews 4.12 tells us, this Word is living and, and active because the words and the lives of these people in it are still speaking to us today. They're still instructing and, and directing and guiding and encouraging us in our faith and in our race to show us what God can do in and through the lives of, of people who have faith and trust in him. You, you, you want to grow and be inspired in, by, in faith, in your faith to run your race? Open up this book and read God's word. Let this word minister to you. Let it encourage you. That's why God gave it to you. This scripture isn't, the, the, this word of God, this isn't the word and the story of what God did. This is the story of what God does. This book is filled with witnesses to the love, tra truth, grace, goodness, faithfulness, mercy, power, provision, and promise of God. It's filled with testimony. We, we've talked about this here before, but how, how the root... Oh, the root of that word testimony in the Hebrew literally means to do again or to duplicate, right? T testimonies are a, a declaration uh, of not only something that God has done, but of something that God can do again for someone else because God is no respecter of persons. And as he says in Hebrews 13, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, so, so there's not something that God has done that God can't do, do again. So God gives us these stories not just to tell us about some cool things he once did for somebody's life, but to declare to you and to me that he can do it again in our life. 
that, that what God did in them, he can do in us. That what God did through them, he can do through us. We need to know this word and these living stories of God's people who made it to the finish line to help ignite and inspire faith in us. And not only through the stories of Scripture, right, not only of the stories of, of those who have gone before us, but also through the testimony and, sh- and sharing in with brothers and sisters around us, right? The stories of faith, like somebody once said, if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together, Yeah? Like, we need people on the race with us. We need people who are with us encouraging us. Like, I, I can tell you, having run for a lot of years, that, that sometimes the only reason I was able to keep running is because of a teammate I had who was running next to me saying, don't you give up, don't you stop, don't, keep going, you, stay right here, you can run with me, you can run, let's keep going. And, and you need people on the journey with you. The Apostle Paul said to the church in Philippians 3.17, he said, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live, who, who walk it, right, not just talk it, who live as we do. Paul, Paul says, listen church, if you want to grow and be encouraged in faith for your race, then know you can't do it all by yourself. You're going to need to have some people who can, you can look to and people that you can be with, people who encourage you and inspire you and set an example of faith for you to follow, uh, right? How, how many of you guys know that like you don't just need people in your life, but you need the right people, right? Like sometimes our problem isn't that we don't have people, we just don't have the right people. We have people, but they're not encouraging us in the Lord. They're not inspiring faith in us. We need people who encourage us in Jesus. I can tell you this morning that, that much of who I am today is because of people who encouraged me in my faith. People who walked with me, who invested in me, people I could look to, who set an example for me. And I say this all the time, but I'm going to keep saying it until you believe me, that, that godly people are a gift for your life from God. Brothers and sisters in the faith are a gift to you from God. That's why the writer of Hebrews tells us in chapter 10 to not give up meeting together, but to do it all the more. And in that he says, let's encourage one another, let's spur one another on because we need each other. We need to be reminded of who God is to remind one another that this is our God. This is who he is. This is what he's done. This is what he says he will do. These are his promises. Let's go. We need inspiration. Here's the second thing we need is we need the right preparation. Not H, but preparation. Okay? Some of you guys got that. Um, we need the right preparation, okay? Uh, how, how many of you know if you're going to run a race like a marathon, you need to actually do something to prepare, right? Like what you don't do is sit on the couch for four months, like eating ice cream and chips, and then like show up and be like, let's do this, right? <laughs> never going to work. Ne- never works, okay? If, if you've ever seen like those training manuals for marathons, there's, all kind, there's like marathon running for dummies and like all this kind of stuff. These things are chock full, Okay, it's like schedule after schedule after schedule. Here's when you run. Here's how you run. Here's where you run. Here's when you run. Here's what you eat. Here's when you sleep. Here's what you do. All these things mapped out for you. It's, it's like insane crazy. Okay, because you need to prepare. You need to train. Here, here's what the author of Hebrews says to us. He says, therefore, he says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and run with perseverance. That term throw off here literally means to set aside and push out of reach. 
in that day, what would have been common and understood for them uh, and made sense as he said that was, was that in these races, particularly like these, these big sort of Olympic racers, uh, uh, races, the runners would actually strip naked to run. Okay, they would run naked. They didn't want anything slowing them down or tripping them up, okay, or getting in their way. And, and, and here he points to two things for us to pay attention to, to get rid of for us. He, he talks about hindrances and he talks about sin. So let's start with hindrances. That word hindrance literally means mass or weight or burden. A hindrance is anything that weighs you down. It's not necessarily something that is sinful in and of itself. Hindrances can be whatever kinds of things. They can even maybe be good things, but they're not necessarily God things. Okay, oftentimes we ask ourselves the question, can I do this, when maybe the real question for us ought to be, should I? Right? The right question for us is not always just, is this sinful? The right question is, if I'm totally honest, if I'm being completely honest, is this a hindrance for me? Is this slowing me down from my pursuit of God? From seeking first his kingdom? Is this getting in the way of what I know that God has for me to be and to do? And here's the thing too. What might hinder you may not hinder me and vice versa. Okay? So, so it's not like I can just, it's not like I just go like, well, what, what do you do? And then I just do that. Okay? Because that might not work for you. Okay? This is about we, us being completely honest with ourselves before God. And not trying to compare ourselves to the person next to us. Oftentimes a hindrance is, is simply a distraction. Okay, what, what the devil already knows about your life in Christ is that he cannot defeat you. And so because he cannot defeat you, the only thing he can do is distract you. He can distract you with things that take your eyes off of Jesus to slow you down and make you ineffective. So for some of us, things like media and entertainment, that super slows us down. Netflix, right, Hulu, whatever it is, video games, okay. Social media, I think, has been, been a big hindrance for some folks, right. Maybe the news is a hindrance. For, for some of us, it's a hobby or activity. It's just that thing that consumes your life, whatever it is, your cell phone, sports, your book club, whatever. It doesn't really, like, like whatever that thing is that consumes you. And it's not bad per se. It's just slowing you down. Maybe it's a relationship we have or a group of people who hindrance us, hinder us. Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Galatia and he asked them in Galatians 5, 7, he said, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you? To keep you from obeying the truth. Paul, Paul, Paul's like, listen, you, you were running a race well, but, but, but who got in there? Who, who came into the mix and, and got you off course? How, how many of you guys know that not every person in your life has been sent to you by God? Like, the, the, the devil sends some people your way too. Right? The, the enemy is happy to put some people in your life who will distract you and move you away from the Lord. He's happy to do it. He only comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He's happy to put people around you who move you away from the Lord. People who will tell you the things you like to hear but won't speak God's truth to you. People who you find that the more time you spend with them, the less like Jesus you are. Maybe a hindrance. Or, or maybe the, the hindrance has to do with the fact that, that you just keep looking at all the people around you, right? 
because you're not focused on, on your race, right? It says, it says that we have a race that's been marked out for us, so I got to run my race, but I can't run my race if I'm too busy trying to run yours, right? So, so, so some of us, the hindrance for us is that we're not focused on our life. I'm not thinking about my life. I'm too busy worrying about your life. And guess what? You can't run and finish your race if you're not in your lane. Tell the person next to you, stay in your lane. You know what I'm saying? Stay in your lane. We got to stay in our lane. You can't not be in your lane and run your race. You can't be me and I can't be you. You can't run my race and I can't run yours. So be honest with yourself. Ask yourself, what are my hindrances? What, what are my distractions? What are those things, if I'm honest, they're not bad per se, but they're getting in the way. They're weighing me down. They're distracting me from the Lord and the things of God. Ask the Holy Spirit just to reveal those things to you and throw them off. Give them up. You don't need them. They're not helping you. And, and the writer of Hebrews says, not just the hindrances, but, but, but also the sin, he says, that so easily entangles Think about it like this. If hindrances are a weight, sin is a web. Okay? If hindrances are the things that slow you down, sin is something that holds you down. Are you with me? It says that, that this sin that so easily entangles. What makes sin such a problem isn't the fact that it happens because we make mistakes, right? We mess up. We, we fail at times. But as, as Christians, Jesus already paid for that. So there's, there's grace and there's mercy. The, the problem with sin isn't that it happens. It's that we stay there. Sin is like a web that we get stuck in. It entangles us. If, if you've ever seen something stuck in a spider's web, it ain't going anywhere. Right? It, it's stuck. It's, it's stuck there. Sin holds you down, down. It ties you up. In its nature, it is a separator. So it doesn't move you towards faith and trusting in God. It actually moves you away from that. The crazy thing about sin is sin will actually cause you to withdraw and move away from God and then blame God that he's not closer. Sin will actually build up a wall for us and tell us that God put it there. And what often happens then is that we understand, hey, I got this sin, and we say somewhere, you know what, down the road I'm going to deal with that, I'm going to get right with God. But, but what happens is that by the time you get down the road, you don't want to deal with it anymore because your heart has been hardened. Now you're stuck. What, what the author of Hebrews says to you is he says, throw that sin off. Throw off that pride, that anger, that unforgiveness and bitterness, that greed, that lust, that disobedience, that whatever it is for you. Get, get rid of it because it's holding you down and keeping you from running the race that God has marked out for you. Notice too, and I love this, he doesn't say pray and ask God to deal with your sin. Do you see that? He doesn't say, hey, if you got some sin, pray and ask God to take it away. He says, you throw it off. You do it. You know why? Because you can. If it's in God's word, you can do it. Okay? See, so some of us hold on to sin in our life because we believe a lie that tells us we have to. We, we believe a lie that tells us that our sin is bigger than our Savior. But, but what we have to know is that Jesus didn't just die on a cross so that he would conquer sin and could conquer sin. He died on a cross so that through him you would too. Now, again, I'm not saying you're going to be perfect, okay, so hear me. This isn't like, it. just do this, be perfect, never sin, okay. We're going to sin, we're going to mess up. But what God's word is saying to us is, is that sin doesn't get to own us. Sin doesn't get to be in control anymore. 
Sin doesn't get to be our boss. You, you don't keep on sinning because you have to. You keep sinning because you choose to. So throw it off. Let, let it go. Confess and surrender that sin to Jesus and be free to run your race. God wants you to be free. You can't run and be weighed down. You can't, be, you can't run and be stuck. So throw off the hindrances, right? But, but, but it's not just about getting rid of some stuff. It's also about being built up, okay? So he says, let us run with perseverance, okay? Which is to say that, that the Christian life is, is not a sprint. The Christian life is a, is a marathon. When you're running a sprint race, you need speed. But when you're running a distance race, you need endurance. The race is long. How, how many of you guys know that it's easy to run for a little bit of time? Right? Anybody? Okay, this is why like when you watch distance races and marathons, okay, in the beginning everybody looks great, right? Amazing. I, I love when I go to Olivia's cross country meets, right, because kids are the best. It's a two mile race, uh, which is practically a marathon for 11 year olds. But like, but when they start that race, for the first like 400 meters, every single kid is like, they're waving to people in the stands, big smiles, everything. The, the last, like, halfway through the race, maybe even not even halfway through, they're, they're like this. <laughs> like, like, they're dying, right? Because it's easy to go for a little bit. It, anybody can make it for a little bit of time. But the race gets increasingly challenging the longer that you go. And interestingly enough, the, the word for race here is this Greek word agon, which, which is where we get our word agony from. Okay. <laughs> That's the truth. What, what does that mean? That, that tells you, like, it ain't going to be easy. It's going to be hard. And, and, and this word was even used in that time to refer to um, in, the, in the games that they would play, this pentathlon. Except what was interesting about this pentathlon is it was five different events. But, but at the end of the events, the last event was a Greco-Roman boxing match. Okay? So after you ran and swam and threw the javelin, whatever, you got to get in a ring and fight somebody. Okay? I think they should bring that back. In the Olympics, right? Like, that would be something to watch, right? But th the point is, though, that, that the race that we're running, the Christian life can be like that. It, it can be agonizing. It can be hard. Okay? It can be exhausting. Some of us find ourselves in that place today. For some of us, we've struggled to run our race and have faith because we thought it was supposed to be easy. Because somebody lied to us and told us that, that man, all you got to do is get Jesus, you accept Jesus, and it's smooth sailing from there, right? Rainbows and unicorns, right? And then you, like, accepted Christ, and, like, things got harder. And, like, stuff, and you're like, what's going on? Why is it, I thought this was supposed to be easy. And it's like, no, 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 no. Jesus was the person who said, hey, hey, guess what? In this world, you're going to have trouble, right? That's not what you want to hear Jesus say. You want to hear Jesus say, like, don't worry about it. It's going to be easy. Right? Totally easy. Totally fine. But Jesus is like, hey, 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 just so you know, there's going to be trouble. And when Jesus says trouble, he knows trouble. You know what I mean? Like, like he doesn't mean like your alarm didn't go off in the morning and like they gave you the wrong coffee at Starbucks trouble. You know? Like first world problem stuff, right? Like, oh, my cell phone just totally didn't work today. Right? This is the kind of stuff people complain about, you know? I mean, he's talking about like real trouble, serious trouble, hard tr stuff that, that truly impacts our life. Health trouble, financial trouble, relational trouble. Jesus knows trouble. The, the Apostle Paul was the one who told us in Ephesians 6 that we needed to put on our armor daily. 
Now, I don't know about you, but when somebody tells me I need to put on armor, that's usually not a good thing, right? Like the expectation if somebody says, hey, you need to put on your armor every day, isn't like, oh, I bet today is going to be easy, you know? Like, hey, put on this flak jacket. Hey, put on this bulletproof vest. Going to be easy today, you know? Like that means people are shooting at you, right? Like, like it's going to be hard. People are coming against you. There's an attack. There's a war. Okay, that's the life that we're in. That's the truth. That's the part of our race. The battle's hard, okay? It, it, it's a fight, so it requires our attention and focus and, and vigilance. There's nothing about battle that seems easy. But the race is long and it demands endurance. But here's the crazy thing. Do you know how you develop endurance? By being worked out. You, you know that when, when you work out, what you're doing is you're actually breaking down your muscles so that your body will make it stronger. Okay. You're breaking it down so that you become stronger, which is weird because when you're working out, you never feel stronger. You feel like you're going to die. You know what I mean? So, like, you're never working out and you're like, man, I'm getting so strong. Right? You work out and you're like, is this almost over? I'm dying here. How many more reps? How many more? How far? How much farther is this? Right? Like, you just want to get done. It's hard. In the same way, though, faith is built up in us as it is tested. Faith is built up as, as it is worked out in us. This is why we hear Jesus, brother James, say to us in James 1, 2, and 4. He says, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. The testing of your faith, the working out of your faith develops perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. James says, you know how perseverance is being developed in your life? Through trials of many kinds. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Right? Doesn't that get you all warm and fuzzy inside? Feeling good. But what it's saying to us is God is using that trial, God is using that struggle, that hardship, that pressure, or even that success. Right, right. How, how many of you know that, that not, it's not always the, the quote-unquote bad things in our life that are a wrestle for us. Sometimes it's the good things. So, sometimes it's not the failures, but the successes we're really struggling in. We're struggling with. But, but what God wants us to know is that, that through the trials of many kinds, there's going to be many different kinds. They're going to come in all different shapes and sizes. That, that not one of those trials has come to break you. That trial has shown up to make you. Okay? That, that trial has shown up to build up in you endurance for the race. Th th this is why he can say to us to have joy. Okay, this is why you can say, listen, when you face these trials, have joy. He says, actually, consider it pure joy. Woo! Pure joy. He's not saying have joy in the trial. Like, oh, God, this is so hard. Yes! Right? Love this. This is amazing. He's like, no, no, we have joy not for the trial, but because of what we know the trial is producing. Because we know that God is using that for our good and for his glory. God is making us better able to run our race to the end. It says he's making us mature and complete and lacking nothing. And when you know that to be true, it changes the way you handle hardship. It changes the way you go through trials. It moves you out of hopelessness and, and put, gives you hope. It moves you away from, from just despair, okay, and moves you into joy because you know that God is up to something good in your life. 
When's the last time you celebrated in the midst of a trial? When's the last time you rejoiced? When's the last time you thanked God? Not for the trial, but, but, but for the fact that you know, God, thank you, that, that though I don't, that this is hard, this hurts a little bit. God, I know you're up to something good in me. God, you're working out in me. You're building up faith in me for the race you've called me to. So we, we, we need inspiration. We need the right preparation. Here's the last one. We need the right motivation. We need to have a goal that is worth pursuing. Yeah? Uh, how, how many of you guys, like when you were in high school or maybe even junior high, uh, when you were in PE class, like you, you, they would make you run the mile like every Friday or like once. Anybody have to, I think we had to do it like every single week in my school. Yeah. Like, so, so every Friday or whatever it was, they're like, oh, you knew it. You just knew it was coming. He's like, okay, guys, here's the mile. Again, we're going to do this. Um, how, how many of you uh, who had to run the mile when it was time to run the mile would just go all out and run as hard as you can? weirdos. You know what I'm saying? M most people, and I've actually, I've actually watched some PE classes because I got a few schools behind, and I'll see them out there and it's time to run. I'll bet you 95% of the kids out there are like this. They didn't even break a sweat in the mile. You know what I'm saying? They're not even tired. They competed in the mile and they're not even tired from the race. Okay? And of course they're not because what's the point? Right? They weren't getting anything at the end of that, that mile run. They, they knew they had to go back to class. But here's the thing. You show up to gym class, the teacher's like, hey, 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 we're going to run the mile in a month. And whoever runs their hardest, whoever runs to win, who, who, whoever throws it all out there, there's a million dollars for you. Everybody's training. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's running hard. There's not one person not breaking a sweat in there. You know what? Because it's worth it. Because the prize is worth the pursuit. Yeah? And, and this is what the author of Hebrews is talking to us when he says, listen. He says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Okay? And, and, and Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25, he says, don't you know that in a race all the runners run but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. That word prize there is only used one other time in the New Testament in Philippians 3 verse 14 when Paul says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul says, Listen, church, this is our motivation. This is our prize. This is what we are running for and what we are running after. This is the finish line for us. It is Jesus for all of eternity. How valuable is that? Well, when Jesus talks about it in Matthew 13, he tells a parable to convey that worth. He says in Matthew 13, that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again and in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. The, the picture is of this, this man who discovered something more valuable than everything and anything else. So in joy, not out of duty, not out of obligation or compulsion or fear or manipulation, but out of joy, he goes out and he sells every other thing that he has, his house, his oxen, his tools, everything. And in spite of what everyone else would say or think about it, he goes and he buys that field because he understands and knows that the greatest treasure he could ever have was found there. This is the picture of how we are meant to see Jesus as this prize, as this treasure that is worth more than everything and anything else we could possibly have or attain in this world because he is 
He alone is greater and more and bigger and better. And there isn't anything or anyone else who can compare with him. Jesus is actually better. That's what scripture teaches. That's what we keep hearing over and over and over and over again. And so the author says to us, let us fix our eyes then on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, right? Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith, meaning that he is the the one who started it and he is the one who's going to fulfill it. Jesus has already done all of it, which is why the Apostle Paul says to all of us in the church in Philippians 1.6, he says, listen, I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day Jesus returns. What he's saying is that, and what the writer of Hebrews wants us to know is that, that in a sense, being asked to run a race that's been already marked out for you is to run a race that's already been won. So, of course, you can get up and keep running because Jesus has already provided the assurance of victory and the power to get you there. We fix our eyes on Jesus because in him is everything we need to run our race. We are running with him and for him and to him. He is the joy. Look at this. I love this. It says that for the joy that was set before him. For the joy that was before him. Do do you know that all of the real joy for your life is still in front of you in Jesus? Sometimes the biggest obstacle for us to run our race of faith isn't trying to deal with the things around us, but it's looking to the things behind us. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 3, 13 and 14 said it like this about his life. He said, one thing that I do is forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal. For for some of us, it's not our present circumstances that are keeping us from looking at and following and pursuing and running after Jesus. It's our past. And what Paul is saying here to us is not don't deal with your past because we need to. I mean, Paul dealt with his past. But what he's saying to us is don't make that your focus. Don't let your life be defined by your past. You can't be focused on your past and run forward into your destiny. Your joy, like Jesus, is before you. And in Jesus, we have to know that there isn't anything behind us that is better than what's in front of us. It was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. What was the joy set before Jesus? It was you. It it, it was you that was set before him. It it was you before Jesus, the joy of Jesus, that he endured the cross. Scorning its shame. We are his inheritance. And here's the awesome thing. He's ours. So so it was the joy that was set before him. You are the joy set before him for which he endured the cross. And he is the joy that is set before us now. That enables and empowers us to endure with him to the end. So we fix our eyes on Jesus. Why do we fix our eyes on Jesus? Well, for one of the reasons that Jesus says about himself that, that he is the way. And he is the truth and he's the life. And so if you're here this morning and you're like, I just don't know which, which way to go. I don't know which way is up. I don't know which way to turn. Look at Jesus. Jesus is the way. If you find yourself this morning in a, in a place where things where there's a lot of... Uh, uh, a lot of things, there's not clarity for their life. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot, I just don't know. There's a lot of uncertainty. 
I don't know what is. You can look at Jesus because Jesus is truth. And Jesus will lead you in truth. And Jesus will point you to the truth. If you're here and you're just like, I don't know what there is for my life, where to go, what I'm supposed to be, do look at Jesus because in Jesus is all the life. Scripture says that he is the fullness who fills everything in every way. So we fix our eyes on Jesus. I'm going to have Noel come back up as I close this this morning. Here's what I'll say to you, church. You have a race that has been marked out for you by God. You have a race that is yours to run, that no one else can run for you. That God invites you to run with him and invites you to run to him. And here's what I believe God's saying to all of us this morning. Run. Do it. Get, get up, keep going, don't give up, keep trusting because you can make it. Yeah, the race isn't easy, the, the, the race is hard. The race wasn't easy for Jesus either, but the same Holy Spirit who empowered Jesus to finish his race is the same Holy Spirit empowering you to complete yours. So run free this morning, right? So, so three things, okay. Be encouraged. Soak up God's word and get around some people who build you up in your faith. Let God's word inspire faith in you and get around some believers, some brothers and sisters. Some of y'all in this room need to get in a community group. Some of y'all just need to invite somebody over to your house because you're not, you're not with people who are helping you build up your faith. Get prepared, okay? Run free. So run with people. That's important. Run free, okay? Do you got some hindrances this morning? Do you got some sin? He says, throw that off. You don't need it. Stop holding on to the stuff that's slowing you down and stop holding on to the stuff that's holding you down. Be free this morning. Jesus came that we might be free. It's for freedom that Christ set you free. You don't have to be bound any longer. If you have some stuff to confess this morning, some stuff to turn from, some stuff to repent, do that. Run free this morning. Run and set your focus on Jesus. Set your eyes on him. Look to him. Listen for him. Receive from him. In him is every single thing that you need. In Jesus. You need peace this morning? Look to Jesus. You need hope this morning? Look at Jesus. You need, you need uh, just joy this morning? Look to Jesus. You need wisdom this morning? Look to Jesus. You need healing this morning? Look to Jesus. You need freedom this morning? Look to Jesus. Whatever it is that you need, look to Jesus because in him is everything. You need to just encounter the love of God? Look at Jesus. Okay, Jesus, that, that's where our eyes, God's not like calling us to look at him because God's just like, like, like God's some egotistical sort of being in the sky. God invites us to look to him because he understands that there isn't another place for you to get every single thing that you need for your life. There is no other way for you to be filled, for your life to have the fullness of purpose and meaning, for you to achieve and walk in your destiny and calling, and for you to be with God in heaven forever outside of Jesus. So he invites you to himself. Look to Jesus. Would you stand with me, church? I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to respond with our worship.
things I love about worship is that it has this great way of sort of redirecting our heart and our mind, centering our, our thoughts and our, our heart, our soul, setting it on Jesus, allowing us just to, to soak him up, to praise him, to worship him, to receive of him. And, and so I'm going to pray for us, and, and I'm just going to invite you to really just tune in, okay? Really, really just set your heart on, on this moment of worship, of just celebrating Jesus, of just remembering Jesus, of acknowledging Jesus, of, of praising Jesus. We're going to do a song that probably is familiar to some of you, maybe is a little bit new to some of you, but, but it's all about Jesus. It's all about our assurance of him. Would you pray with me? Father, thanks for this morning. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for the race that you've given to each of us to run. God, that we're not alone in it, that you're with us. God, that you've marked out a race for us. God, that you've planned on us, that you have purpose for us. God, I pray that we would know that this morning. I pray that every single heart in this room today, God, would know that you love them, would know that you that you made them, and know that, God, they have purpose in you. Father, I pray this morning, God, that, that for every single person in this room, Lord, that we would run the race that is ours to run. And God, help us to, to take the steps. Holy Spirit, lead us in those places, in those ways, God, that we, by which we can surround ourselves. God, that we can be built up in faith. God, help us to, to just be bold, to get around people, to open up your word. God, give us a hunger for your word. God, just to consume a, your word. God, you said that, that your word is like bread. God, I pray that, that we would be hungry for your word. God, that you would inspire faith in us as we read it. God, I pray that, that we would be so bold as to get around other believers, God, that we would make that a priority in our life, God, so that we could be built up in our faith. Holy Spirit, would you reveal anything in our heart and in our life that's a hindrance this morning? God, would you just reveal and expose things that are slowing us down in our race, that are keeping us from what you have for us, God, from where you want us to be and what you want us to do. God, would you give us the, just the strength and, and the courage, God, to throw those things off and trust you. God, for any sin that's in our life, Lord, that, that we would this morning confess that repent of that, turn that over to you, God, surrender of that, and just turn and follow you. God, help us to be a people whose eyes are set on you, a people who are looking to you, Jesus, who are running after you. God, that we as a people might be able to say like Paul did, that I've fought the fight, and I've run the race, and I've kept the faith. May our, our eyes be set on you, Jesus. God, we love you this morning. We bless you. Thank you.